Welcome to Real Personal Finance. I'm your host, Scott Frank, CFP, CFA charter holder, and founder of Stone Steps Financial. And I'm your host, James Canole, CFP, MBA, and owner of Root Financial Partners. The premise of our show is simple. Money can be confusing, but it doesn't have to be. Our goal is to answer real personal financial questions that we hear from our clients and our listeners. Each episode, we answer one personal financial question in a clear and understandable way. Because money is a tool. And when you understand the language of money, you can make better decisions to improve your financial life. Hey, James. Hey, Scott. Welcome to another week. Yeah, thank you. Welcome to you too. Yeah. So we have another listener question. Thanks for sending them in. We really appreciate them. And once again, it's a way for you to learn and, and for, you know, hopefully we'll we'll get a financial literacy across the, the U.S. and we'll, we'll press on from here. We're getting close. Yeah. We're at least halfway there. Totally. But we'll keep going. Well, today's question comes from Jeff. Jeff, thanks for sending this in. And Jeff writes, hey guys, thank you so much for the amazing podcast. I have a pension question. I'm a teacher and I'm eligible to retire and begin taking my pension payments in July of 2023. I've heard some people say to take the lump sum distribution and create your own pension annuity, but the math doesn't seem to work out right for me. I will be 51 at that point and likely moving to a different profession with an income to add to the pension payouts. The amount that I would receive as a pension lump sum would be approximately $210,000. That represents all of my contributions over the 28 years I've been teaching plus 4% interest per year. It does not include the contributions from my employer as I'm not entitled to take them if I elect the lump sum. The pension option that I would choose is reduced amount that would continue for my wife after my death. It's about $41,000 per year. There's no way that I could expect to earn that much on a lump sum of $210,000 to make that logical choice. Am I doing something wrong on the math? Question mark. All right. Good question, Jeff. Yeah, so we can kind of geek out on pensions a little bit today. Let's geek out on pensions. And I think quick answer is, Jeff, no, we don't think you're doing something wrong on the math. And in fact, I think this example is pretty clear which option is the better option. Usually we say it depends and obviously it depends, but it's it's this is very compelling. But really, I think for anyone, whether it's Jeff or in general, the decision to take that lump sum or to take the annuity is going to depend upon Number one, the pension details, and then number two, your personal situation. Yeah, and let's just go bigger picture for one second. I know we kind of read through the question, but just for listeners who maybe don't know what a pension is in a pension, you are typically contributing something to an investment that the company's in charge of of growing, and they're contributing as well. And then with traditional pensions, the way it normally works is, hey, when you retire, so, you know, James retires and James has been putting away his money for 30 plus years. And they say, hey, here's this amount we're going to give you as income for the rest of your life. And you might be able to make some other choices. You might be able to say, okay, we'll we'll not only give it to you, but we'll extend it to you and to Ashlyn for the rest of her life. So now there's two people on the payment stream, but we'll reduce the amount we'll give you. Or you could say, hey, I'm just going to give you this lump sum of cash. You go do with it whatever you want. Mm-hmm. So we have these options to choose from. And that's what Jim's writing in about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So those are the those are the options. And what he, Jeff's asking is, do I take the annuity option? Pardon me, Jeff. Yeah. Which is, I'm going to get some guaranteed amount of money for the rest of my life and the rest of my life, my wife's life. 
Or do I take that lump sum where they give me the $210,000, I roll it over to an IRA most likely, and then I manage it how I want it to be managed. So as we mentioned, it's going to depend upon a few things. The the first of which is you're looking at, does this pension make sense or not? At the end of the day, you want the option that's going to put most money in your pocket over time. That's at least one of the big variables, of course. There's some others that we'll get to. But to look at that, you just do some simple math to start. You really want to know... If you took that lump sum, could you create more income than the annuity would have paid you mm-hmm. is what that question comes down to. To look at that, we're looking at this. And so Jeff could either take $41,000 per year forever, or he could take $210,000 as a lump sum. I want to know if I have a $210,000 lump sum, what growth rate do I need every year to be able to create $41,000 per year of income? Mm-hmm. So I divide 41,000 by 210,000, it comes out to 19.5%. Meaning if I wanted to be able to take that lump sum and say I can do as good or not better as the pension company can with the annuity they're paying, I would have to be reasonably assured that I could get 19.5% per year growth or better, which is probably a very high ask for very, anyone. Very unlikely, yeah. I mean, the S&P 500, if you just invested in the S&P 500 as a retiree, which we would certainly not advocate for, would get you over the lifetime of, of averaging about 10% rate of return. Let's say that. So you're looking for double that amount to achieve that, which would yeah. be really a hard ask. Yeah, which is significant. And when we look at withdrawal rates, because I think when people retire, they want to know, okay, how much, uh, how much money can my money create for me? And so mm-hmm. there's some rules of thumb. There's some benchmark withdrawal rates. Mm-hmm. You want to explain kind of how we might look at that with yeah. So like the the most re- the one that most people hear of is what you'll hear the four percent rule. Sometimes is what it's called. And Bill Bengen did did some research back in the '90s where he took all the data for investment accounts and built a, a portfolio and simply asked the question of what's the maximum amount I can take to make sure I never run out of money over a 30-year period of time with all the historical returns that we'd had to that point in time. And that's where the 4% rule came from. It actually technically was a little bit more than the 4% rule, but let's just call it a 4% rule. And let's just say, okay, let's just assume we 41 grand divided by 4%. What would that be worth in terms of an asset on a balance sheet? And we would think that's worth about a million 25,000. Yeah. So in other words, Jeff, you would need, if, if you're using the 4% rule, to drive your withdrawal decisions, you need to have about a million, just over a million dollars in a portfolio to generate $41,000 per year. Yeah. So the fact that you are looking at taking that 41,000 per year or a portfolio of about 20% that, 210,000, from that standpoint, it seems pretty compelling that the annuity option would be best. Now, obviously not a recommendation. Big mm-hmm. disclaimer there. One thing I would ask is the timing of this. Are you actually getting that $41,000 per year now or is it at some future date? We'll mm-hmm. see that a lot of people come in and they say, oh, I can I can get this pension of X number of dollars or I can take the lump sum. And we look at it and we say, yes, you can get the pension or get the annuity of that many dollars, but it starts at age 60 or it starts at age 65. Mm-hmm. So for this, I would just want to clarify that is that pension immediate if Jeff were to leave at in July of 2023, I believe he said. If so, then the analysis we just talked about is, is the correct place to start. If not, if he said, no, that's actually something I get at age, say, 65, then we would want to know what would the lump sum be at age 65 because it's probably a different amount than it would be today. 
Exactly. And so just for example, if if by age 65, that lump sum would have grown to 500,000, but he's still entitled to 41,000 per year at that point. Now we would divide 41,000 by 500,000 to say, okay, you would need a withdrawal of, or to be able to create income of 8.2% or more to take the lump sum to make it worth it. So right. still a high ask, but much more reasonable than 19.5%. Even then, <laughs> it would still, compared to that 4% withdrawal rule though, pretty significant. Uh, there'd be a big significant gap for you to cover. So, which would carry on to a few other questions that we would have, right? Like one of the things we'd want to know is, well, does this pension have a cost of living adjustment built into it? Mm-hmm. So, you know, anyone at home who, you know, inflation is obviously higher right now. We actually just had cost of living adjustments for social security last year, and they were the highest that they'd been in a long time because mm-hmm. inflation was on the rise. So on that pension, if you get to, if that 41,000 a year gets to grow with inflation, that makes it even more valuable right. than if it stays flat at 41,000 per year for the rest of your life. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think that is a place where people get hung up on the pension is assume that the pension's if you divide the annuity, the pension's offering by the lump sum value, say it comes out to 4%, it might appear like, oh, well, I could get 4% by taking the annuity, or I could take the lump sum rolled over and get 4% withdrawal rate. It's not necessarily the perfect comparison because if that pension doesn't have a cost of living adjustment, that's not indexed for inflation, whereas the rules around that withdrawal rate are assuming you're adjusting that for inflation each year. Yeah. Typically, though, government pensions have cost of living adjustments, particularly <clears throat> private pensions, don't. Jeff's a teacher, so I'm guessing there's a good chance it does have a cost of living adjustment just for him. Exactly. Cool. There are some more specific ways to calculate that return and what makes most sense using something called an IRR, but we're going to skip that, I think. I think we'll just talk high level. It's really geeky, really fast. To. Yeah, I think we can skip over that for sure. Yeah, it's hard to talk about spreadsheets sometimes. Easy yeah, to see on, on podcasts. Yeah, we yes. got a spreadsheet in front of us, but we'll skip the spreadsheet. Yes. Um, what else does it depend upon? Yeah. So another thing would be risks for the, the pension itself. And so one of the things we'd want to know is, because we don't know where Jeff teaches, but what is the what is the guaranteed status of the pension? Does it have the ability to make the payments that it's supposed to make in the future? There are some states where their pensions are really in crisis mode where they don't really have enough money to go make these payments that they're promising. So you have this promise to receive these funds in the future, but there's actually not much of a guarantee that you're going to get those funds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So are, is the when you're getting an annuity, you have some, that annuity is only as good as the company who's guaranteeing it. Mm-hmm. I could go guarantee an annuity for anyone, but if I go bankrupt, then people are relying upon me. Obviously, I'm not an annuity company. That guarantee doesn't mean anything. Right. So make sure the uh, pension is funded and all that because there's there's a risk to that To Okay, if you take the annuity and the company's not solvent, there's a risk. But then there's also the risk of if you take the lump sum, what's your risk personal risk tolerance like? Are you okay with investing it to create the income on your own knowing that the stock market's definitely not guaranteed? Unlike the annuity option, which would be assuming that the uh, underlying company is solvent. So understanding your risk tolerance, I think is an important piece too, to make sure that you're comfortable with whatever option you select, not just, is it going to maximize total lifetime income? Exactly. Yeah. Another piece I'd throw in there is just beneficiaries. Now he mentioned that with the pension he selected, the pension Jeff selected, 
there's the option of Jeff predeceases his wife. His wife continues to receive that benefit. Another thing I encourage people to look at, and this is where it goes back to their personal situation, is if you're looking at this and say, hypothetically, this was all just extra. I don't need that income or that lump sum. I've got all my needs taken care of. Mm -hmm. If you look at this and say, I'd love for this to be kind of like a legacy asset, something that passes to children or future generations, the annuity option is not going to be good for that. It's designed to give you income and potentially a spouse income for as long as you're alive, but then it just goes away. If you and your spouse both pass away, you're in retirement, no matter how much you've put into the system, it's just, it's gone. So if you wanted it to be for your beneficiaries, that's where you might lean towards a lump sum option as well, because you control that, you can name the beneficiaries on that, and you just have more control. Yes. And the flip side of that could be as well, if you already have more than enough assets to support you in your in your lifetime, you might actually choose the exact opposite of what James was just yep. saying. You might choose to make this an income source and then take the other assets on your balance sheet and go grow them for the future generation. So there's always different options available. It's just a matter of finding the right solution for you. Yeah, fully agree. So in this case, I think, Jeff, your particular pension isn't that close. A lot of pensions I'll see, the analysis is much closer in terms of it's a harder decision mm-hmm. of lump sum versus annuity. And yep. this, at least on paper and based on the information we know, you would have a really, really hard time recreating that 41000 per year of annuity income if you were to take the lump sum, but helpful to go through the decision points anyways, I think. Exactly. Based on the information that you've provided here, we don't think your math is off. <laughs> yeah, that's what it comes down to. Your math is right. We won't make any specific recommendations, of course, but we'll leave it at that. Yeah. Cool. Anything else? I think that's it for this week, but thanks so much for the question and please keep them coming. And yeah, anything for you? No, that is it. Thanks, Jeff. And thanks to everyone that listens. We'll see you all next time. See ya. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Real Personal Finance Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and let us know by leaving a five-star review. And if you have a question that you'd like for us to answer, then head over to the Real Personal Finance website at realpersonalfinance.co. And there's a section on the bottom of each page there where you can submit your question for us to answer in a future episode. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon for a basis for investment decision. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, or other professional services.